loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming back Gary Malkin. Gary's an Emmy Award-winning composer, performer, public speaker, and music and health innovator who empowers the world to embrace musical strategies as catalysts for health, wellness, and a connection to what matters most. He seeks to redefine music's role in healthcare with a particular focus on developing listening tools for patients, care providers, and families who are facing life transitions through all phases of life. His globally acclaimed palliative classic, Graceful Passages, co-created with award-winning conscious media creators, Michael and Doris Stillwater, has touched nearly a million people worldwide, offering psycho-spiritual support for patients and caregivers engaged in all phases of the end-of-life process, including grief resolution. Their Care for the Journey Caregiver Rejuvenation Programs have been experienced by healthcare systems nationwide. He's presented at distinguished healthcare institutions throughout the U.S. and is frequently asked to present to healthcare and life-affirming communities throughout the world. And you can find more about him at wisdomoftheworld.com. Welcome back, Gary. Thank you. It's so good to be here. It's good to have you back. I, I had to go look at when the last time actually was. I was such a baby host then. It was uh, in the first six months of my show in 2014. So oh, was uh, that long ago. Yes, oh it really it was. I didn't realize it was quite that long. And I hope people will go look at that show because we did clip a lot of graceful passages um, pretty extensively. Today, I think we're planning on talking a little more um maybe theoretically we could say or you know kind of get dig into how this all works in your mind but um it's a beautiful piece of work and and i hope people will go thank you go listen too um thank you yeah we're going to celebrate our 20th anniversary next year oh wow wow and, and it's, I, it's, it's touched over a million people and it's been the blessing of my life. I'll tell you that that work has just been the most amazing grace in my life, just, truly. Just to just to let people in on it a little bit, you have um, music and sound behind thought leaders in uh, end of life or spiritual practices um, uh, expertise, I guess we could say, or um, amazing people talking on top of beautiful music. And it's, uh, since music is one of my primary healing modes, um, that's powerful for me. Yeah. Well, you know, Cheryl, it, it is worthy to say, you know, almost 20 years later, what we have learned around what it really is. And uh, with all due respect, you're, everybody a lot, you know, initially describes what you said is what it is. But what we've learned about Graceful, and it's been our teacher, is that, number one, nothing heals 
more than the safety of feeling vulnerable with what you're feeling and thinking. And a lot of fears get, you know, buried in underground and subconscious. Not only that, the lifelong avoidance and fear of illness and death. So what happens with graceful is that, you know, what we model is people speaking, wise people, wise people who have been through a lot of losses, speak Mm -hmm. authentically and tenderly to someone who's encountering the possibility of, of life incringing on them, either, you know, a loved one or themselves. And there's that tender demonstration of presence and all of it's extemporaneous. That was what the things we learned mm. is that when you come from a place of real, true authenticity, the way Brene Brown, the, the you know, the power of vulnerability, social researcher, right. researcher found is that it models a way of being present in the moment with difficult things surrounding you, you know, and, and the music is the art of film scoring that literally softens the defenses that we kind of have to establish in order to live our lives out there, you know? (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Oh, I don't know know? what you're talking about. (laughs) No, I do for sure. (laughs) I know. So we create the art of film scoring. It's sort of like a Trojan horse manipulation, really, is that we use the language that most people go to sit at the edge of their seats in, in the dark theater. And we awaken the extemporaneous spoken word. And, and so inadvertently, what we are doing is we're, we're secretly creating, a, like the red pill in the matrix, a way of softening into the reality that every human being feels, which is, which is the fear of disappearing. And by softening your resistance to it, you open to the flow of the recognition that we are in a cycle of life that doesn't want to be resisted. It wants to be breathed into and felt and allowed and 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 then healing happens when you're not in resistance to it and that's mm. that's really what graceful passages is we took me 20 years to be able to say it to be way. able to say it like that <laughs> well the interesting thing for me is that i i f- i feel i learned something about this experientially first because the last probably in the coma period of my wife's final illness and death I stopped, uh, just, just stopped talking to her. I sang everything. Yes. Uh, and even if I was reading poetry to her or something, you know, which I did a lot, I sang it. I didn't read it. So yes. there was something, and, and there was not, I made no intention to do that. It just happened. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the same impulse that did that is the impulse that parents who've never sung before suddenly in their newborn in their arms, suddenly they start to sing because we have been sung lullabies since the beginning of time, right? There's something in our humanity that awakens and enhances when we leave our left linear rational brain and move into the parts of the being, the heart and the mind and the soul that, that only the voice or a voice and music and sound can inhabit. You know, it's really, it's, you know, let's face it, Cheryl, it's a mystery. It's, a beautiful mystery, but one of the one of the things I love about the mystery is it's such a poetic mystery because from the tiniest quark to the largest galaxy, I say this all the time, what is the common denominator? And everything, everything is made up of vibrations. And so music is just sculpted free frequencies, right? To desired outcomes. And some music is really annoying and really aggravating and other music's really 
helping us just drop in to the present moment and into our hearts. And these days, Cheryl, I'm telling you, there's so much need because of all the texting and the emailing and the fear-based media and the constant obsession with the written word and the rational form of engagement. We are starving for that kind of energy you felt impelled to share when you knew that you just wanted to sing. We're starving for it. And yes. the beauty of, of what I've learned in, since Graceful Passages is coming out is it's almost like a nutrient that we're deprived of. The, the, the opportunity to have a more balanced relationship with our being and our doing, our thinking and our feeling, our allowing or our controlling. There, everything's way in the 90% doing all the time and analyzing and controlling and, you know what I mean? And we are hungry for more balance. Does that, does that make sense? I'm sure you know. Complete it. sense. I know completely what you mean. And what it makes me think of is that uh, I am in a choir, the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir. It's, oh, I love that choir. It's, it's truly, truly interfaith. Uh, oh, my you know. God. I love that. What's the name of the director again? <laughs> Terry? Terrence Kelly. Yes. So yeah, I've worked with them a little bit once. Fabulous choir. You're so lucky to be in that group. I'm so lucky to be in that group. That's for sure. And several things uh, stand out to me about it. One is that when we're singing together, we're one body. You know, once we learn the music and we couldn't be more diverse in every possible way. Age, race, sexuality, you know, <laughs> every yeah, possible yeah. way. But but music are when we're when we're in the song together, that's irrelevant. Yeah, uh, it's so such that's a beautiful one, example. That, that's what's one thing. Second thing is that music, gospel and spiritual music, is is music that people use to heal unimaginable injury. Right. And, think about you know, it. So... Any, anything that's that that's that unifying, it reflects what the unified field physicists are now discovering around that there is no that everything's interconnected, right? So you have a palpable in many ways. The choir provides, I mean, you know, socially diverse and and all these different voices and different, you know, you all have a way of of echoing the truth of the unified field. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Choir is one of the best ways to do that. I love that. Yeah. And and the other the other thing that popped to my head is my friend I've I've had on this show, Amakela Gaston. I don't know if you know her, but um she I, I'd love to know her last name. I couldn't hear it. Michaela what? Gaston. G-A-S-T-O-N. Yeah, but she usually goes just by her first name, Michaela. Anyway, she was uh, the victim of a hate crime. She was supposed to die. Then she was supposed to be um, paralyzed. Then she was supposed to uh, um, lose her legs. You know, it was very, very dire. And um, she uh, got the people around her to play vibrational music. Uh, and and it wasn't a conscious thing. She had heard it, and she she sort of said that I want that. She kept it going twenty four hours a day, and yeah, beautiful. Uh, and she healed, and she yeah. oh, my uh, she she dropped <laughs> over the next couple of years after that. She dropped her um, her life's aspirations to be a doctor and became a music healer instead. 
So, you know, um, you, you make me think of these examples of, of how music, um, how music impacts our capacity to open and to heal, if not cure. You know, she's she's a radical right. example of the body healing, but uh, whether or not it does, uh, still powerful healing properties. Well, again, it's it's really important that when you get back into a more balanced relationship with being and doing, like thinking and feeling, all that stuff, and you can use. Music that isn't just any music, but music, in my belief these days, that drops you in and slows you down so that we can breathe a little bit more and become more present to what we're like right now in this culture. We're like the frog that jumps into the hot, you know, the cold pot and jumps right out because <laughs> I don't know if it's super hot. That's it. The frog jumps into a hot pot and jumps out right away. But the other frog gets incrementally cooked you know, from, uh, from cold water. And we're those frogs right now. We are yeah. walking around in a culture and at a time where the pressure is getting so intense and all of us are feeling the, that kind of energy of existential recognition of, you know, the, whether it's climate change or aging or... And so one of the things I've been really uh, focused on in the last number of years is taking graceful to the next level. If, if, if life is a sexually transmitted uh, uh, human condition. <laughs> and if we're all... Except for those of us who do it another way, but... <laughs> <laughs> there is technology but, now. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, if, if we really come to terms with the reality of our mortality, what that, and that's the purpose of Graceful Passages, for example, is just bringing to you a more than cognitive relationship with the reality of our mortality. When you do that, you end up being kinder to yourself and others. You end up feeling more grateful because you know that every moment is precious. And that's really, you know, when we release the 20th anniversary edition, whenever that is, we're going to really stress that this isn't just for death and dying and losses. It's everybody is, if you've survived, you've lost many things that have gone in, you know, into your body or your awareness. So that's really important. But also, what if we could create music and sound designs in our environment, whether it's the workplace or like emergency or, you know, different zones of the hospital, where the music has been known to uplift or to bring us more in our heart intelligence, you know, in our heart center. And I call it music for heart-centered mindfulness. And I've been discovering and exploring ways that we can design musical experiences for our environment on a subliminal level that will enhance our capacity to feel our interconnectedness. Does that make sense? Complete sense. And it makes me think of something. You, you, uh, in some of your materials that I read, um, there was a question, what does the future of healthcare sound like? And where my yeah, mind and <laughs> where my mind immediately went when I read that was, um, what did it sound like when my wife was ill, when my mother-in-law was ill, when my dad was ill? The sounds that are that I associate with hospital environments right. are are really assaultive. Right, uh, and, they're and very loud. They're very. <laughs> You know, um, they're yeah. very um, blaring. 
uh, and the tones are um, disturbing if you really listen to them. And that doesn't well, you know, necessarily you know, create. Why... Oh, yeah. Well, this is the reason why I loved and was very close friends with and, and co-led a couple of things with um, um, Megary Anderson and her book, Sacred Dying. Did she ever get interviewed by you? No, no. I'll have to look her up. Well, I, I can get her you, on. Megary's book is a classic, iconic work on the literature because she, more than before anyone else, and this is why she and I were like siblings, because my use of music and graceful was to connect to the spiritual intelligence that every human being has, even if they're, you know, even if they're an atheist. But she used the term sacred dying, and she came up with a sacred vigiling uh, training program. And this is what um, what you inspired me to think of is her vigil process was really about creating with a candle, with a little lighting, with the music, creating sacred space, no matter what your tradition or proclivities are, finding a way to, even in the middle of an illness. I mean, you know, Angela Sarian, the famous cultural anthropologist, talked about illness as initiation. Um, yes. And when we are initiated into illness, it involves a grieving process from being healthy to, to having, like, like I've had serious back troubles the last nine months. And it's been a grieving process to not be able to move the way I used to move and try to help, you know, heal myself. But it's that vi the vigiling that she wrote about in her book is so f phenomenal. And it really has something to do with the future of healthcare, as far as I can see, in a multi-sensory way. You know, the colors, the smells, the sounds. This is what Rudolf Steiner envisioned 100 years ago, you know, or more, more, 150 years ago, where he talked about humans would get a tuning as a way to stay healthy, you know, whatever that right. is, such a visionary. And, and I want to just throw in that um, that is possible in any environment if you have the support of the environment. For instance, um, when my dad died, uh, he fell, his, his spinal cord was severed, you know, he wasn't going to wake up, and we all made the decision to unplug you know, it was that, but of course he was in the emergency room. Well, they put us in a, uh, the, sorry, the ICU. They had one room that was completely private. They closed the doors, they left us alone, and we got to sing to him, we got to talk to him. You know, it's possible in a hospital environment if either you're irritatingly, annoyingly, um, insistent like me or the or the environment is supportive and so what i would you know but i i love that you're saying this can we go into this a little bit together yes however let's I, do I it after the break things about it yeah right. let's do it after the break because we're it's time okay. for a break so we'll we'll come right back to that and listeners okay. you can find links to my website social media at the good grief page at voice america and to find gary malkin you can go to wisdomoftheworld.com be back soon think you've seen everything there is to see in online television let us surprise you visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports health business and more on demand 24 7 
What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Gary Malkin about his work with healing music and sound. And Gary, before the break, we just uh, started a conversation about how to, I was talking about my dad's death and and how the privacy we were afforded and the space we were afforded allowed us to um, make that environment healing once they turned all the machines off that have those terrible noises. And you were saying you'd like to go a little deeper into how to create those kinds of of spaces um so the floor is yours yeah well i want to back up a little bit because it's like one of the things we have to recognize is where we are the context within which we are living and um right now we don't know it but we're much more doing addicted we're much more thinking addicted as i referenced earlier so so much so that we're so in the goldfish in the bowl that we don't even realize that we're moving a lot faster and we're much more overwhelmed, we're much more stressed. So one of the things that I've developed musically is an understanding that the music that best creates sacred space, which when you think about it, sacred space is about dropping radically into the present moment with your heart, your body, your mind, your soul, right? And And if each of those aspects of yourself are not feeling the spaciousness or the safety or the room to actually be in the moment. It'll be distracted. It'll use, you know, binge television or drugs or food or something to keep it a vibration of avoidance. So the reason why people are often afraid of slowing down is because they haven't done it for so long that they're afraid they'll just like burst into tears or lose it you know <laughs> and the which some is, of us uh, which some of us don't mind but <laughs> i realize right, that exactly. well we all know that it's a powerful <laughs> thing to release so what i've discovered is that it's not any music that will slow you down 
And the, the music that I've been developing is music that's much more slow, 30, at least 30, if not more, percent slower than normal music, like 30% of the normal speeds. And the, the thing I'd love to say is, if the music that you're playing for Sacred Space is basically saying behind the scenes, the composer's saying with the music, listen to me, listen to this music, it's me, it's my expression, you know, not bad. I mean, this is some of the greatest music in the world has ever written, been written like that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm asking us to look for um, sound and music experiences that basically say, take a deep breath and listen to you. Listen to what's going on inside of you. And if the music is too busy, and it's basically saying, listen to the music, rather than create conditions within which you can breathe and slow down for the, the body, mind, heart, soul, then that's the beginning of how to look at and design like what you did with your father. But there are many other beautiful things you can do with, you know, beautifying on a candle or sage or whatever. But that's starting. And the other thing, Les, I don't want to talk too much, but I'll just say one more thing, that many people underestimate how important the volume is. Mm. And it sounds so basic, but I want to say it because the art, as a producer of music for 35 years, the art of injecting musical sounds, again, that are slow, do not have lyrics. Lyrics are not good because they activate the mind for sacred space, unless it's a choral piece and everybody's singing it, or it's, it's intentionally religious, and that's fine. But, but music with spoken word lyrics, with lyrics, will, it, it's, unless you have to listen to it. And what I'm talking about right now is the subliminal homeopathic injection of music at the right volume so that your consciousness or your soul or your subconscious is called that there's something in your awareness, but it's not covering up all of your attention so that you can engage with yourself and the loved one and the caregivers and the integrated the hospital. So it's all something that can coexist and it just softens everything a little bit. And that's the principle just the touch of a, you know, the tip of the iceberg that I wanted to share about that's a really pragmatic thing you can do in your living room. It's like, well, I'm chilled. The kids are gone out for an event tonight, and I'm, I'm just going to put on, you know, maybe it's a little, light, a little wine, but a little candle or something, and you put music on, and instead of the normal music that you listen to to distract you, that's where sound healing or the music that I've written comes in. It, it allows your heart and soul to reflect on, ah, ah, here I am, I'm here, and I'm actually noticing I'm really getting nervous that I just heard my mother just got a diagnosis, and I don't want to avoid it, but I think I should breathe into that. You know, it's, it awakens, then your body knows what to do with that, and that's, I'll, that's as much as I'll say. I just wanted to give my little spiel about tuning your environment to create optimal health with your relationship to loss and grief and changes, you know? Yeah. You know, this may be a little bit out of sorts with, with what you just said, but it's what came to my mind. You kind of differentiate in the things I've, I've read uh, between music and sound. Uh, you know, that those are two vibrational qualities that are somewhat different. Um, and I wonder, um, just now, were you talking about, well, first, let's start with, um, how do we differentiate? For instance, um, 
rap music, uh, people are talking, but they're talking tonally. Is that sound? Is it music? You know, as a, as a radical example, but um, how would you describe that difference? Well, first of all, that rap music is an example of when I said it, you can't relax the mind if the mind's talking lyrics at you that you might understand. So, so number one, for sacred space, the music and sound that invites you to be quieter within and listen to you rather than listen to it is one very important distinction. But mm -hmm. the other thing is that if 30 years ago I have a theory that the sound healing movement, which it started, you know, the bowls and all this started a long time ago, but it's only in the last five to 10 years that it's become wildly successful. And why? Because we are living at such a radical level of stress and um, fear and violence and uh, fear of the future and climate change. It's accelerated. So people are filling churches, sound healing orchestras in major cities around America and probably the world because people are hungry for a pure tone vibration that the bowls, the crystal bowls allow that is almost like the sonic equivalent of getting hooked up to oxygen, right? Mm. So it, it literally is, instead of it being sculpted vibrations in a genre of music that is, whether it's acoustic new age or it's, or it's jazz or it's blues or whatever it is, it's stripping down to the bare essentials of sound with very pure physical instruments whose vibrations are coming from nature herself. In other words, they arise. Have you ever walked into a forest and there's no sound of a freeway and it's pure forest? Mm -hmm. and, and, and for me, sure. there is no more relaxing and calming and grounding beauty than being in the presence of the designed creation of the divine in nature. And when I'm there, I literally feel like I'm getting the nutrients of sound that are unparalleled on the planet, right? The bowls and the sound healing movement has come as a result of people starving for more contact with natural occurring sounds that occur in the physical universe. That's like what references the music of the spheres, right? So the sound healing distinction that's come up and this become so popular is, is almost like getting, you know, breathing pure oxygen and sound without the constructing of melody and harmony and genre. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, it, when, we, when we start composing the sounds, that would turn into music. But the pure sounds, just as they are, are more just vibrational. That's what Which I is why I've been passionate about the melding. I'm offering, uh, I'm working with a wonderful woman who's going to be performing on January 31st in San Francisco. It's all sold out, actually. It's called Sound Mandala. But she and I, I've hired her to work with me at Grace Cathedral. And I'm interested in fusing the world of music with sound healing. Many sound healers have not been trained musically. Not all of them, mm -hmm. certainly, but many. And they don't approach it from an awareness of the sensitivity of harmony and melody and tonality, right? But I work right. with L'Oreal Star, and we will take great, a great musician. Like we, I've, one of the events I did at Grace Cathedral, uh, we brought Tammy Brown, this incredibly gospel, beautiful African-American singer, with Didgeridoo, with Jai Utah, with, 
with, you know, different uh, indigenous flutes from Peru. But instead of wall-to-wall those instruments, they'd do a line, and then almost like pushing a sailboat with the rudder, the line takes you to somewhere amongst the beautiful crystal tones. And that combined, to me, is, oh, that's what I call heart-centered mindfulness. It's, it's a very beautiful melding of music and sound. And I think that's where the future is with this sound healing movement that's coming in. It's a, such a, we're living in a renaissance of sound being proven in, in MRIs and all the things. It's quite exciting, which is one of the reasons I wanted to get on the call again with you, because this issue, I, I, I have to quote this, Ken Druck, who's one of the leading experts nationally on, on grief. I don't know if he's ever been on your show, but you should have him, and I, he's a beloved friend, and I'd be happy to introduce you. Wonderful. He quoted this anecdotal qualified, I'm, it was proven, after some major gun intensity at um, Columbine or, you know, one of the gun tragedies in schools. And the quote was that, that over 90% of all uh, violence and aberrations of human behavior come from unexpressed or unassimilated grief. Oh, um, I, so, I so agree. I so agree with that. So when you think about that, this is one of the reasons your program is so important for the the humanity of 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 our species, right? It's like there are there is so many ancestral traumas and griefs, but just in our lives alone. So that if we can create through sound and gathering in communities with beautiful, relaxing, stress reducing um, opportunities to just drop into the beauty of presence itself. That's what Graceful was for. That's what these sound healing events are for. Then what happens is the body naturally resolves, starts assimilating the, grief, the, the negative results of grief. It, ju- it just does. We naturally do it. Um, there are more advanced ways to do it more explicitly, but you know what I'm talking about. So I do. I and anything more important. And I, and I have to say, I feel that, uh, you know, so, uh, gosh, it's almost 25 years since my wife died and she was sick for 10 years. So I've been, I've been in this world a long time and it has, there has been a change. There's been a change. Um, people talk more about loss and, and actually, I want to say people complain about social media, but social media has been part of that change. Uh, so every medium has the good and the bad, right? <laughs> but exactly. I think, you know, the, the, the fact that people say I'm grieving, I'm sad, you know, that, that that's communicated, then maybe makes it easier to participate in a space uh, like you're talking about. Because if people are are completely resistant to having those feelings come up, they won't attend, you know, um, right. run away screaming. Well, and, and, and you know, the thing is, so that brings us to one of the reasons why the mindfulness movement is so important. I have a little theory that um, when yoga first came to the West 40, 50 years ago, it, it, it introduced the Western audience to what they all, most yoga teachers say the most important moment in the whole yoga class, which is, we all know, the corpse pose, shavasana, the last, mm, last yes. three minutes of a class, right? Well, that introduced the concept of, of being with the present moment, be here now, etc. 
that that gave birth to the mindfulness movement that's now in full 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 bloom, right? And the now the and next evolution of the mindfulness process, which has been tested and scientifically proven, da 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 da, da you know, mindfulness. John it's Kevin everywhere Kevin. now. <laughs> yeah, wisdom two point But what isn't everywhere? That is really the the global avoidance that is still hard for people, but thanks to Brene Brown, this is going to change, is the willingness to be vulnerable and tender and courageous with your authentic experience, even if it's uncomfortable. And that, that means the mindfulness that we're evolving into is a more embodied mindfulness, a more heart and soul-centered mindfulness that includes not just watching thoughts. And the thing that I've been focusing on, shamelessly self-promoting, is, is a certain musical exploration that I have called, you know, it's called All Is Well, a unique tuning that I got out of uh, this amazing man from Europe. And the purpose is to drop into radically the experience of the present moment so that we're not just watching thoughts, but we're, it's helping us drop into this whole heart and soul-centered mindfulness experience. And I'm predicting that over the next 10, 20 years, that's, and, and beyond, that's one of the big evolutionary steps that our mindfulness has to go through in order for it to evolve. Because it can't just be mindfulness. It can't just be. Well, it I, be I, I'm, I'm heart, excited. Grief, loss, etc. Yes. I'm, I'm excited by what you're saying because I've, uh, so the, the way that I was introduced to dropping in, as you're talking about, was with Stephen Levine. And right. his his work was all about, you know, experiencing what was there and having the spaciousness exactly. to do that. But I noticed with some of the people I work with that they had, um, this is going to sound odd maybe, but they'd use mind, mindfulness to avoid things. Like the purpose yeah. was to not have any feelings, you know, and just the be. Spiritual bypass be, is what they call it. Yes, exactly. And just be calm all the time, which is impossible. And, uh, you know, and not growthful, actually, is what, exactly. what I think. Um, so this idea that actually that's the first step is learning how to do that. But then the next step is learning how to drop into what is, what's present. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. That that that's exciting to me. <laughs> I hope you're right about it. I hope that's, you know, I think that there there are areas in which that's the truth, uh, in in which, but, and well, mostly know, I find great. with people who've said yes to their grief, right? Um, if you yeah, well, if, and just think about the HeartMath Institute twenty years ago, and everything great takes thirty or forty years to get integrated into the culture, and HeartMath has found such phenomenal evidence-based information about when the mindfulness is heart-based. It's, it's much more a regulatory experience for our physiolo physiology. It actually enhances not only the quality of life, but some people say it even enhances the longevity. So, I mean, the, the heart being the governor, like in Chinese medicine, the center of the whole health existence of a human being. So I see, I see the music has a path to play. It has a destiny to play in awakening this shift from the world's, you know, first developed nation's avoidance of the heart. 
because everything has to be so serious, incredible, and academic, and evidence-based. And linear, and mind-oriented. And, and mind That's a good yes. place to stop for our second break, Let, but great, let's continue great. when we get back. And listeners, of course, you. you too. Uh, listeners, you can go to weatheringgrief.com uh, and the Good Grief host page to find every link to me. And to find Gary Malkin, go to wisdom, wisdomoftheworld.com. Be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent, inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Gary Malkin about his uh work in bringing sound and music to life transitions. And Gary, uh, you know, we kept talking on the break, <laughs> which, <laughs> which always seems to happen, especially when the conversation is a good one. But, um, you know, this, this idea that, that there's, a, there's a motion towards greater acceptance of the experience of, of grieving and that sound and music plays a part in that and that um you know it's it's so essential you were talking about on the break uh the violence and and um maybe fit we you could say bring it up what i said yes yes why don't you, yeah. why don't you say it better <laughs> <laughs> not not better, but I remembered exactly what we were saying. What I was saying was that you know there's this amazing movie that's written that's created by uh, Jennifer Seabold Newsom, the governor's governor of California's wife, and it's yes. called The Mask You Live In. You can get it on, on Netflix, and I recommend every human being who has plans to have a child to see it, whether you have a girl or a boy. You just must see it because it's about the correlation of how boys are sublimated to not feel their feelings 
to match with the the cultural constriction of be a man, don't feel, don't be like a boy, don't be a girl. You know, at four or five years old, kids are boys are indoctrinated, right? Well, and we wonder in her movie why the porn and gun and video game and violence in the culture is so uh, exacerbated. It's because all of that repression gets funneled into these distractions that have become aberrated expressions of the toxic masculinity that comes from repressing. And mm. one of the speeches I've given at a New Thought Church was how music has a role to play in, in um, kind of disarming the toxic masculinity movement. Music mm. and this whole heart-centered mindfulness piece is a piece of it. So feeling our grief about anything, large or small, and it doesn't mean you have to wallow in it, feel it, notice it, release it, let it go, move on. It's actually a way of not getting involved in the drama of it, you know? But the right. other thing is <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> being in the story. What? I'm with you on that. You know. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. it knows it knows how to move if you let it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and so feeling grief, but also owning your feelings is not what many people are trained into, but especially boys. From the young age, you're taught, you're taught to suppress it. Otherwise, and so then everybody has this perception that if I open this up, it'll be an endless can of worms that will never end up stop crying or freaking out. It's not like that. If you own it, you touch it, you release it, you let it go, it actually is a much more, it's like, it's sort of like, forgive the analogy, but it's sort of like a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind that. I was thinking about my grandsons. Uh, they're eight and six right now. My granddaughter is one, so um, wow. <laughs> it's a little different experience. But the two boys, uh, if they, let's say they get in a fight or they start tussling, you know, or they start, you know, yelling or screaming, whatever it is, whatever big thing is happening, um, their parents will say, uh, it seems like you're having some big feelings right now. What, what's yeah, what's right. going on? You know, and it's so much better than um, quiet down or, you know, and it, right. it, it has typically a fairly magic effect. Uh, just to have someone say, it seems like you're having some big feelings right now. They don't always want to talk about it immediately, but exactly. what, what is going on typically changes. They don't, they don't continue yeah. with the same <laughs> approach once they've been so, recognized yeah. that way. That intersects with yeah. what you're talking about. Well, yet again, that's like the first... It's, so for those of you who are listening to this, remember that you don't have to have a CD player, or these days the CDs don't even exist anymore, to actually bring in the principles of this grief alleviation technique into play. Because you have inside of every human being has what I call a BMU, an MBU, a musical blessing unit. And it's called your voice. And mm. it's not about having it sound great so you can be on the voice on television. It's about everyone has the capacity to self-regulate by just uh, just like, ah, or it's a chant, or it's a, it's a tone, or it's a, you know, in the shower, it's in the car, just by even humming, like, hmm, just humming and letting, feeling your face vibrate, you will be, you will be stunned at how it brings you into 
a deeper relationship with your experience in the present moment. It's beautiful. And that's just another example of what I call vibrational intelligence, using the art of vibration to become intimate with the present moment. And that's all the music I love to create is about alleviating our ability to be present with whatever is. So, I mean, I'm so grateful to be able to talk about this stuff with you, Cheryl, because I, I, as you can tell, I get passionate because I don't think there's anything more important <laughs> during these times of ecocide where we, the, the obvious and appropriate response is grieving right now with what's happening to our planet and our country and, and our families. And it's just a very important thing because it's really about life affirmation. You feel your grief because you love life. Right? That's the funny contradiction there, yes. paradox. I guess paradox, but it does make sense that um, that what diminishes um, zest uh, would make us mournful. You know, what what causes harm would make us mournful. That that's sort of a uh, obvious thing that would happen if you think about it. Yes. Uh, and, someone, and someone we're built for it. We're built for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, I have this wonderful quote that I love and I've known it forever, but for some reason I'm looking at it now and it has even more meaning to me than ever. It's uh, Aaron Copeland, who is always one of my, well, I actually studied with him for two weeks at Interlock and music camp when I was 17 years old. Oh my and goodness. He's one of my heroes. And, uh, and he wrote, he has this quote that has a particular meaning to me and us right now. He says, so long as the human spirit thrives on this planet, music in some living form will accompany and sustain it and give it expressive meaning. Mm -hmm. And I always looked at this quote and said, yeah, 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 it's wonderful. But I didn't really look at every word. It is so powerful. Listen, to, so long as the human spirit thrives. We're talking about flourishing human spirit, mm -hmm. music, drums, voice of every, in every culture on every known continent on the planet has given our lives, our rituals, our expressive meaning. It's given us the reason for living, right? And I just suddenly love this quote more than I ever have before. And that's, I want to invite the, the listener to start realizing that this garbage in, garbage out theory, you know, putting on the litany of the fear-based television and the media and the partisanship and everything, turning it off and putting on a beautiful piece of music that touches you, that slows you down, that reminds you of what matters most. It can be one of the greatest gifts you'll give to your loved ones when they come home for dinner, you know, or whatever who's lis whoever's listening. So I just... Um, let music give your life expressive meaning, like Aaron Copeland said, and it can be very intentional and beautiful as a way to uplift your daily life. And I'm even, I'm, even, <laughs> I'm even thinking, though, about, um, for instance, sometimes when someone is deeply crying, uh, right. which happens in my office, you know, on a regular, um, it's beautiful. Even this, you know, just the human sound of of feeling. Um, Truly, very well, like very a beautiful. beautiful. Rain, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would never say that out loud at that moment, but but it is true oh, that no, I of experience not. that. No. Um, that there there's something so moving about the sounds our bodies are able to make. 
That's so true. Even when they're they're not organized in a particular way. Yeah, well, again, the natural universe has endless examples of how the music of nature, you know, the music of the spheres, the the crickets, the the birds, the wind, these are all kind of music. Um, One of my favorite movies of all time was a movie called August Rush, and I recommend it to people. I'm sure you'll find it on one of the streamers. And um, it has this beautiful story of a boy whose soul was made of music. And it just is such a love story to the power of music and how it can change and unite lives. It was it's so beautiful. So, yeah, I, I actually feel, Cheryl, that we've just scratched the surface of being able to harness the energies and powers that are involved with sound and music and, the, and, and all the uses of that. Um, not to mention, literally, you know, the kinds of research that's going around certain vibrational frequencies that are literally destroying cancer cells in the body. These are happening now. They're discovering these things. If you Google it, and I forget the name of the guy in, uh, in New England somewhere, but he's literally, they we're coming upon very, and, and this is a great time to mention this next project I'm working on called Thrive. Um, mm. And Thrive is the film that's the most watched documentary in history. And uh, it was released in 2011. I got a Hollywood award for it, actually. But the sequel is coming up this coming summer, I, as, as, as far as we know right now. And it's all about the unified field. And it actually talks about a dynamic in the, in, called cymatics, which is a beautiful demonstration of the interconnectedness of all forces. But it's really, it's just a beautiful film around the trends in science and medicine and business and in energy that have to do with the vibrational field around us and the unifying factor of it all. You know, so I really drive movement.com is the place where you can keep. I'll keep I'll keep an eye. And if people are watching this years from now, it is 2020 at the moment. (laughs) So they'll know which (laughs) summer to look. Exactly. Um, I'm thinking about the the research that's been done on the effects of uh, on on the molecular structure of water of different yes. sounds. Uh, yes. You know that that the whole universe is affected by the sounds we're exposed to and the and the yes. energy of them. Um, yeah. And, well, that and the you know, Emoto's work really was a form of cymatics, but only on a molecular level. So Emoto is the guy that proved that you can program water crystals emotionally to positive or negative different states. And, and, and in cymatics are a similar thing, is that you put a certain sound under something that will demonstrate like sand or crystals, or, 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 and it will actually create a, a, a sacred geometric form just from the sound underneath in a, you know, in a like, that's amazing, isn't it? And just in case people think we're being woo woo, I mean, this is scientific research, (laughs) you know, Uh, I, 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 uh, my wife, uh, my wife now is, uh, was a systems engineer and she used to talk to me about, you know, the vibrations that she felt when something wasn't working in the, in the technology you know, that it was a vibrational experience. We are going to have to stop there for today, Gary, but I've, I've um, really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for coming back. 
Well, I'm so grateful. And please check out Graceful Passages or the music of Graceful Passages called Unspeakable Grace. And, Wonderful. And play with that in your own lives. And, and I guess we will always be partners and kindred spirits in helping the world better understand grief. So thank you for the opportunity to De- talk Absolutely. To absolutely. Subject. Next week, I'll have Chris Myers. We'll be talking about his book, Life in 20 Lessons, What a Funeral Guy Discovered About Life from Death. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón. 